I invite you to stand with me for the reading of the word today, but I'll, I'll begin with a prayer that is for the second Sunday of Advent. Let us begin in prayer. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. And the scripture passage today is the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will have no end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, for she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. The word of the Lord. Amen. You can be seated. So every Advent, which is the beginning of the Christian year, there is always a focus on waiting. Waiting for the presence of Christ. In, In Advent, we focus on three kinds of waiting. We remember, we look to the past about how God's people waited for the Messiah. And then we look for the future as we wait for the second coming of Christ. And then there's also a present waiting now as we look for God's action in our midst. Here, today, we wait for Jesus even now. And we take these gospel, these nativity stories, and we remember and we retell them through these different lenses every year. You might not remember, but last year I preached on this exact same text. And I I focused on Mary's words in response to Gabriel's message, let it be to me according to your word, or 
may your word to me be fulfilled. And I focused on how Mary is an example for us to follow in her desire to receive and do God's will. But this year, our focus is angels. And I really want to look at what Gabriel says to Mary. We're going to first focus on his greeting and then his invitation to her, this announcement of what God has in store for her son. We're going to look at how Gabriel invites Mary to participate in the purposes of God. But we'll begin with this really short greeting. Rejoice, favored one. The Lord is with you. That word, greetings, it it is a greeting, but literally it means rejoice. It's a, a greeting of peace and joy. Imagine if we said rejoice instead of hi, right? Rejoice. It is a good news greeting. We see this greeting other times in scripture, especially in Matthew 28, 9, when the resurrected Christ appears to the disciples, Jesus says, greetings, rejoice. And this reminds us that to encounter the message of God is to encounter a message of joy. Gabriel brings the message to Mary, and it is something to rejoice about. Rejoice! We're not Mary, but I I would state that even today, God greets us like Gabriel greets Mary. The Christian call is a call to rejoice. And, you know, we actually practice this every single Sunday when we gather for worship because we begin with a greeting. Every Sunday, we begin with what we call the call to worship. So, So who calls us to worship? Was it Lars this morning? Was it me when Lars is preaching or, or Tammy if she's helping out? Will it, will it be Colin in a few weeks when he helps us with a call to worship? Does the prelude call us to worship? No, no. If this was a multiple choice, none of the above. God calls us to worship. God greets us and calls us because God or God's messengers always have the first word. They always speak first. God speaks and acts first so graciously, and then people are invited to respond in participation. Rejoice, the first part of the greeting. Rejoice, favored one. Why does the angel say this to Mary? What makes Mary favored? A lot of ink has been spilled on this question, including some of the concepts like that Mary wasn't sinful, like Jesus, or or that she was conceived without sex, like Jesus, but neither of those can be supported by scripture. Mary was favored, but it doesn't mean that she never sinned. So if she wasn't sinless, why was she favored? Well, I actually think the text answers the question. Mary is favored because God's presence is with her, and because she is being invited to participate in God's purposes. It's it's both and. Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. And those words that Gabriel spoke to Mary there are also a message for us today. We are favored too. This goes beyond Mary to us. You know, God has always had a special place in his heart for humanity. After he created the first human beings, the first man and woman, God said, 
very good. All the other times, God just said plain good. He didn't say plain good. He just said good. But after people, it was very good. And then in Deuteronomy 26, 18, God calls his people Israel his precious possession. And then if we move forward in time at the Last Supper, Jesus looks around at his disciples and he proclaims his love for them. Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Yes, Mary was favored. And we are also favored. We are precious to God. We are loved by God. And this is part of the good news that the angel brings Mary. And then the fact that she is favored goes hand in hand with the presence of God. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with us. Every Sunday, we gather to experience the presence of the Lord in our midst. And the reality of God's presence with us does not change. Even when we forget it, sometimes do you ever forget that God is always with you? We can forget, even by accident. Even when we sin, guess what? God is still with you. We are still in God's presence. Because God is omnipresent. God is present everywhere, all at once. Now, last week, Pastor Lars taught that angels, not omnipresent, but God is. The psalmist wrote about this in Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, that means the sky, you're there. If I, if I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. And then he starts to ask these metaphorical questions, like if I go to the highest place, the lowest place, the darkest place, the lightest place, you're there. God is with us because God is omnipresent. Rejoice, favored one. The Lord is with you. It's true for Mary. It's also true for us. And we are invited by this text to recognize that every moment, every time, God is with us. That's what Emmanuel means, right? God with us. God was with Mary, and God is with us. And I hope you see the good news in this greeting. God is giving us reason to rejoice. God favors us. God is with us. God is active. Because we've been talking about angels in this series, I have had opportunity to reflect and discuss with my colleagues stories that I've heard about angel visitations or stories where people have palpably experienced the presence of Christ. I know of a story of a young child who experienced the presence of Jesus in her room when she was about three years old. And when she woke up from her nap, she told her mother, Jesus was in my room, I saw him. And the mother said, what did he look like? And the child said, him bright. And then the mother said, did he say anything to you? And she said, him say, hi, peace. And the mother believed her because she knew the stories in scripture where Jesus shows up and greets his people. The good news begins with a good greeting. Rejoice. Listen up. Listen up, Mary. 
Listen up, people. What's coming next is good. So we're going to move on with Gabriel's words in verses 31 through 33. Uh, I have switched the art here. It is, it's from a children's book called The Nativity, and um, it's illustrated by Julie Vivas. It's a wonderful book. It's just straight from uh, King James Version, text uh, telling the story with pictures. So Gabriel announces that Mary will conceive and give birth to a son and call him Jesus, and this son will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. He's going to sit on the throne of David. Her son is going to be king. And, And I've heard this dialogue summarized for a children's play into the following. Gabriel says, Mary, you're going to have a baby. And Mary says, but how? I'm not married. And Gabriel says, God will make it happen. And I want to look at two realities of this announcement, this annunciation. And one reality is normal, and one reality is impossible. And they're both going on at the same time. So first, the normal. Mary, you're going to be pregnant and have a baby. Now, this in itself, for all extents and purposes, is normal. I realize that for some women then and now, getting pregnant and carrying a child to full term can seem like an impossibility, but I think we can agree that this is a normal and good thing to do when our bodies are functioning as they should. Human women have gotten pregnant and had babies for thousands and thousands of years, and having done so myself, I would add that this is a great part of a woman's embodied experience. So Mary is going to be pregnant and that is, that is, being pregnant is normal. She's a woman, she's of childbearing age, and God designed the female reproductive system to get pregnant and have children. However, within the normal invitation is the impossible, and Mary points this out. How can I? I'm a virgin. But God inspires and empowers this impossibility to become possible. And I I always like to clarify this. The virgin birth is a primary doctrine for us. I'm not pretending to believe in this because it's a nice story. The virgin birth is real. It's central to our faith because this is the way God comes to us as fully God and fully human, which is necessary for our salvation. It's impossible for for us, but it is possible for God. In this moment... With the angel, this changes Mary's life. The angel's message and Mary's acceptance of it transforms her future. It wasn't just a little passing moment with a fleeting angel that that later fades into her memory. It was the moment that transforms. And her response to the impossible was one of obedience through normal behavior. Being pregnant, carrying the baby, giving birth, raising this child. God is acting miraculously, and Mary responds in obedience, doing a normal thing in an impossible situation. Mary participates. And this invitation for Mary to participate in God's purposes is also an invitation for us. 
part of the gospel invitation for all of us is that God invites us to participate in his purposes. This is a metaphor I love to use. God is, is like a parent who wants his kids to help in the kitchen. And he gracefully manages our mess. The spilled sprinkles. The, the kid who licks the spoon and then puts it back in the batter, right? And, and, and this, this kind of participation in the kitchen is really what we're talking about when we talk about being in relationship with Christ. Participation is God's purposes. Klein Snodgrass, a New Testament scholar, he used to be at North Park, and one of Pastor Lars' mentors, he summarizes the gospel in one sentence. God is for you, even if you are a worthless, amoral twit, and through Jesus, he invites you to live with him to become who you should be. And this is participation, living with God, walking around with Jesus. And this is what Gabriel invites Mary to do. I thought about it this week. She was the first person to walk around with Jesus, literally. Mary recognizes the significance of her role, too, in a song where she sings, For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. And this participation this living consciously in the presence of God. This is what faith is. Faith is a lived attachment to God. Klein, in the the same book, defines faith as a life of walking around with God, living into Gabriel's opening greeting, rejoice, favored one, the Lord is with you. And when the Lord is with us, we can live into this reality. God equips us to do our normal things, whatever normal things they are, with an eye on how God might use us. And that's exactly how Mary's call was, giving birth, nursing and caring for a baby, teaching Jesus as he was a little boy the story of God, taking him to the temple. This was faithfulness. This was everyday faithfulness, walking around with God. So what does this mean to us? I mean, none of us have Mary's unique call. That's already happened. But I do speak from my heart today as one of your pastors. I know that that many of you, many of us go from normal to normal thing, wondering if God is, is using us or even sometimes, this is an accident, but just forgetting that God is with us, that we're favored. But part of my own calling, my own, I would say, unique calling as a pastor is to equip the saints for works of service. And this doesn't just mean asking you to help out around the church. It's about encouraging all of us to be equipped to partner with God in our life outside what goes on in this building. When we live a life walking around with God, we can participate with God in his impossible work in our normal lives. Think about it. God wants us to help in the kitchen. So what does this look like? So I'm going to give some examples here that are, that are specific based on different vocations. So say, say you're in business, finance, real estate, law. You know, God 
cares about your work. If you're in business, you can bring the ethical purposes of God, the kind management, the communication skills of Jesus, God's care for all people, for shareholders and stakeholders, customers, employees, suppliers, the created world. When we are participating in the good news of God's presence, profit is simply one of the many important bottom lines. This idea is from Tim Keller's book, Every Good Endeavor, which is I'd recommend if, if you're in, in business. Maybe sometimes this sounds impossible in our world that worships mammon, but nothing is impossible with God. We can be ready to do the normal things and then look for how God might use it toward what we might consider impossible. In his book, Keller continues, to be a Christian in business then means much more than just being honest or not sleeping with your coworkers. It means much more than personal evangelism or holding a Bible study at the office. Rather, it means thinking out the implications of the gospel worldview and God's purposes for your whole work life and for the whole of the organization under your influence. Some of you, more in the second service, I know, are, are students. So what does it look like to participate with Jesus' purposes at school? A student's vocation is to learn. To, that's good. But as students live in the presence of Jesus and walk with Christ and mature academically, the presence of Christ with us can also be maturing us spiritually, preparing us to live not just as a citizen of our own country, but a citizen of God's kingdom. We read in Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge. Is it impossible to focus on character and faith as a student? No, nothing is impossible with God. Some in our congregation are stay-at-home parents or, or people who care for other members of our family. When you're in a caring role at home, the days can get long. The normal can be boring or exhausting or try your patience. So what does it look like to walk with Jesus as a stay-at-home parent or caretaker? Susanna Wesley was a 19th century mother. She had 19 children. Nine of them died in infancy. You might have heard of two of her children, John and Charles. Actually, Charles wrote the lyrics to that song we sang, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. And he also wrote the lyrics to the next song we'll sing, which is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Anyway, back to Susanna and her 10 children. She was a follower of Jesus lots of children running around the house, and she would sometimes practice refocusing on the presence of Christ with her by taking her large apron and just putting it over her head so she could focus on Jesus with her and pray and regain her patience and whatever else she needed at that moment because God was with her. It's normal to be a caretaker, right? But there's impossibility there too. And some of you are doctors or surgeons or you work in mental health. And, and how do we participate with God in this? Maybe it's, it's living out of the identity of one's partnership with the great physician 
and, and caring for people as much as you can for their whole self, for body and soul and social and moral needs. I recently heard a story from a Christian woman who was experiencing going through radiation for uterine cancer. Not a good diagnosis. This is not something you want to have to go experience on your birthday. But as she waited in the radiology room all alone for her first treatment, the physician spoke into her room through the speaker. The doctor said, even though you will be alone during your treatment, Remember that I can see and hear you the whole time. So you really won't be alone ever. And in that moment, the physician's care for this patient's whole self deeply ministered to her. It spoke the presence of God into her life. It reminded her of God's comfort. I haven't addressed all the vocations. We, we could go on to those, those who are retired, whose, whose call is to serve and pray. Pray for the church. Pray for the next generation. For those who educate like our master teacher, Jesus. For those who create beauty through design. And this is a passion of mine. I would love to have conversations with you on how God is inviting you to participate in his purposes through your normal work. This is good news. The messenger of God first told it to Mary, and I think that God is sending the same angelic message to us today. God can take what's normal to us and make it so much bigger. We cannot do it on our own. It takes faith. It takes this walking with God in the presence of God. So let's wonder together, what, ha- what does God have in store for you, for us How can we embrace the good news that we are favored, that God is with us, and that God wants us, too, to help in the kitchen? We're going to end this time together in prayer. I want to read to you, before we pray, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, and this, this is the translation paraphrased by Eugene Peterson. It's a wonderful imi- uh, invitation for us in our normal activities. We read, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Let us respond to what God wants from us in our normal life. I'm going to lead a prayer, and there'll be two spaces in the prayer. First, for you to thank God for who God is and what God has done. Maybe something you heard in the message or in a song that we sang. And I'd like you not just to think about this in your heart, but to actually speak it out as we practice our faith together. And then... There will be a time of petition where we lift up our normal lives to God. 
Where's that normal thing in your life that you would like to participate in and experience the reality that God is with you? Name that. It doesn't need to be long. A word, a sentence is fine. Would you like to see God's work in a relationship, in how you spend your time, in, in your vocational calling? Whatever it is, lift it up to the Lord. We pray to a God who hears. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the message to rejoice. We rejoice in who you are. We rejoice in what you have done throughout salvation history. We rejoice in who Jesus is. We rejoice that you are present with us at all times through the Holy Spirit. And now, in these moments, we speak aloud our thanksgiving to you with rejoicing. We rejoice, Lord, that your mercies are new every morning. Lord, we thank you for your favor, for creating humanity, for saving us, for loving us, for offering us opportunity to be in relationship with the God who made us. May we live into this identity as people who participate in your purposes. And now, Lord, we submit to you our normal lives, our everyday things, and we pray that your presence will overwhelm us, that you will direct us, and that we'll have ears to hear it. Lord, would you do impossible things through our normal everyday work and experiences? And together, we lift up these normal aspects of our lives to you. Lord, we have the gingerbread house event today. That's normal for us. Would you do impossible things through it? Would it draw families, especially families with preschoolers, into the body of our church? You put a longing in in parents' and children's hearts to come to know the God who created us.
Lord, for all these things we pray, for all the normal things we did not name, but we named in our hearts, we lift up to you. We pray these in the name of Jesus, the Son of Mary, and the Son of you, Father. Amen. We will end with a hymn by Charles Wesley, whose mother experienced the presence of God under her apron. So I invite you to stand and sing our closing hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. <laughs>